0: So welcome guys, We're just, welcome, uh, welcome. we just started and we just came from our ready to go show where we talk about empathy uh, in business and marketing in particular. Uh, we can continue to talk about that for a while, maybe you have examples of companies that you feel are, are, are really good at, at understanding uh, mm-hmm. their clients and, and I had brought up the example of those people of a certain generation uh, that read Robert A. Heinlein uh, the word grok. which means actually going beyond just understanding because we can go and dig and we do this right as marketers we dig through all kinds of data, we analyze it and then we, we, we have this formula for who our customer persona is but that's kind of like rational what we're talking about is empathy and empathy is an emotional thing so how do you empathize? how do you find a way of connecting with your clients so that you really know how not so much what they like or what their pain points are but how they feel and that takes it to a whole different level and that's what we're that's what we were discussing today and a big topic for sure. it's a
1: huge topic and you know i'm gonna i'm gonna start with my tsa story so if you live outside of the united states but you've ever been in the u.s and gone through our security system we don't just have metal detectors anymore people we have an entire we have an entire separate entity that comes into the airport that Works for itself and is just kind of there in the middle of everything. Called TSA, and I have no idea what TSA stands for. It has something to do with keeping us secure and um, all that good stuff. And over, it's really interesting because I think about. I'm. I was actually thinking about the people who are attracted to be part of the TSA. Right, you're. You have basically ultimate authority, just. Some security guards are like this, some police officers are like this, and while I am stereotyping a little, I'm saying that certain types of roles attract certain types of personalities, and I don't think that's a stereotype, I think that's just a given that we recognize and understand. And I was going to my dad's house, Ray, a couple weeks ago, and we had Bailey, my dog, with us. And we stood in the security line for an hour, and we get up to the front, close to the front and they have a canine unit in the front and I got told by somebody I'm sorry you're gonna go have to wait in the line on the other side of the airport because and this is a TSA agent because we have a canine working here and dogs aren't allowed over here and I was like okay so and he dug his heels in and he was insane and up and he was kind of in my face and here I am I've got my four-year-old I've got my husband I've got this dog I'm straddled down with all of our stuff and he's telling me to do this so my cheery self what did i say i said i am so happy to do whatever you need thank you for escorting us to the front of the other line so we can make our plane oh and that did not go over
0: <laughs> no
1: <laughs> but but what did i do i, I made an ass- I, I i it was a it was an assumptive clause of i am glad to listen to you and i'm glad to support what you do and in return you will support me too
0: and that and, comes off as being sarcastic and... No, suspicious. actually,
1: I was, and it might hear, but it wasn't supposed to. I was like, sure, I'm glad to help. So we can't stand in an hour-long line. I mean, that was because you can't stand in an hour-long line. Here's my idea. Take me over there. And so it got it got pretty escalated, and he was in my face and raising his voice and all of this stuff. And, you know, TSA is known for this in airports of just being, basically being bullies to passengers and making flying not fun what i noticed in that moment was okay i have a couple of choices to react and and my innate reaction was holy crap we're not going to get to see my dad so my eyes are filling with tears and i'm trying not to raise my voice even though he's raising his voice and ryan was awesome he just stood there and said we're not going anywhere <laughs> and, then, and and somebody else noticed that we're having this what's going to turn into some sort of a verbal altercation here any moment and another TSA person came over, found out what was going on, got two other TSA agents over, took the guy away, and helped us through the line. So wow. you have this idea of what TSA is, and I experienced that just a few weeks ago, and it's been it's been over 10 years since TSA has been in place here. But they're just now starting to come around to go, we need to take care of the people and understand the roles, the, the position that these people in security, the security line are, in addition to doing whatever we've got to do to keep them safe. Or you know whatever they are taught or trained or or whatever, and I thought that that was a really I thought that was a great story because I'm watching TSA in a changing moment from what they used to be, and in a moment clashed an old versus a new coming through, and I thought that was a really neat thing, Um, and so this is actually a TSA hooray story, (laughs) not a wow.
0: That's that's a topic because when there are companies, well there are segments of the workplace that don't want you to be empathetic, right? right? And we can think of a Marine shouldn't be empathetic. You know, anybody in the armed forces, I guess, they don't want to be empathetic. Uh, TSA is an example of that. Policemen, if you're too empathetic, you know, then you, you you know, if you feel sorry for the person you're arresting, it's going to, come, it's going to be difficult to yes. do your job. So there are cases like that, but I think what, the interesting thing about TSA is that, yes, they're there for security, but who is the, who is the threat? They treat everybody, American citizens, who they're there to protect, as a possible threat. So, right. when does that cross the line? And it is—it's horrible traveling now. They've ruined everything. I mean, <laughs> it's the same thing in any country, and even right. in Canada, we don't have TSA, but our security—you mm-hmm. know— with the whole liquid thing. I mean, one mm-hmm. guy tries to put liquids in his shoe, and now everybody has to take their shoes off at airports. I right. mean, a little overreacting, I think. You know? Yeah. You know, so and then we're all treated as possible threats and mm-hmm. I don't know if that's good for a psyche of a country you know let alone a person.
1: That you make a good point and and I actually think that that it it's a little bit of um, a ripple in a pond too because you're right you have that bad experience now what's going to happen I'm in a, if it had turned out badly what would have what is likely to have happened I have no idea if this is would would have actually happened because I'm a little too not um, offended by this kind of stuff to let it get to me personally. But I could have had a bad day. So I could have taken it out on on somebody who I bought a coffee from. Or actually, I would have bought a, tea, bought a tea from behind security. I would have taken it out on the flight attendants inside the airplane. I probably would have been mad at my, you know, angry when I got to the airport, a baggage claim in a totally other city at that point in time. So I think we also, you know, we don't know where people are coming from. And we don't know, and that's I think the biggest thing. Just because we think we know our customers doesn't mean we don't. We haven't walked in their shoes today and in this moment when they're reaching out to us, and that is for our employees too. We don't know what they're doing, what what might be weighing on them when they come into work, if they have a weird reaction or show up differently than they have weeks and months past.
0: Hmm. So I'm going to ask anybody who. I mean, this, we don't have a lot of people here yet, but I'm going to ask those who are here if you know what kind of companies because we had talked in the show about the empathy comes from the top down it's a company culture thing it's like social when we talk about social media but what companies would it be a disadvantage to be empathetic none okay so i'll leave that question open and see i want to see what other people say yeah i'll tweet that
1: but i do you know and that's interesting because it goes back to How good are our own skills around observation, around listening, and being able to match up observation with listening to hear what somebody's actually saying versus the action they may be taking or what some underlying thing may be and closing that gap? There
0: you go. We'll see. I just posted that question on Twitter. We'll see if anybody responds to it. Yeah,
2: I have have an answer. It it is a a bail bondsman.
0: Oh. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and collection officers. You know, do you know any personally?
2: Uh, no, but I did go to school with a uh, person who's purportedly a hitman for the mafia.
0: Really? (laughs) Really? That's that's another job that probably wouldn't help if you're too empathetic.
2: And he was the nicest guy in in the entire world. And what we figured out, uh, and this is all unconfirmed, but uh, he was just hanging out, going to a small college in the middle of Montana. Uh, We couldn't figure out why he was there. He was having a fine time and he would leave for a week or two every once in a while. And then he'd come back. And um, so... um, Anyway, that's my answer.
1: Well, okay, I think there's a time to compartmentalize. I think every single role of every single person and every single job that they have, I think there's a time we have to turn off our empathy for our own sake. One, Mm -hmm. to get the job done. Two, maybe to meet a deadline. Three, because it's the only way we can separate what's going on in our life from the person who we're interacting with. Because if I'm and will use me, if I'm emotional and I come across you being emotional, how can I set aside my judgment? How can I set aside what I think? How can I set aside my advice without um, a- and actually hear what somebody else is saying?
2: Well, you want your medical provider to be empathetic but not emotional. I mean, you don't want your surgeon to not be empathetic. Have empathy for you. I mean, there may be a little bit of pain that will be inflicted, uh, uh, and that goes just with a job. You don't want uh, you, well, uh, your dentist. Okay, you want an empathetic dentist, but if you you don't want one that is so emotional that they lose it.
1: Uh, well, I guess I'm saying emotion is a trigger to preventing empathy. Does that make sense?
0: Mm, no. <laughs> well,
1: okay. I if when I'm and I'm, I'm, I'm talking about emotional, I'm talking about upset. Let's say, oh, 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 okay, okay. I'm late to work okay. and I'm really, I, I'm just harried, I, I'm yes. stressed out. I'm, yes. Something happened in my personal family and it was just a tragedy to me, whether it was or not. I mean, it could be some people react poorly to missing the trash man, right? If, if you I'm gonna have that kind of a reaction, all I have to bring to the table is drama. So mm-hmm. at that point, I have to check the emotions because there's no way I could be empathetic to Scott's point. If my emotions are standing in the way, my emotion will kill my opportunity to be empathetic. Okay.
0: Hmm. So
2: is uh, the character Spock in Star Trek, uh, uh, you know, he's a beloved character. Uh, He's got empathy, doesn't he?
0: Ah, But that's his human side, which he tries to repress. Right. So, and, and, but, and I, and I use that analogy in the show about mind melding. And to to explain what grokking was, Uh, but you know, and, and in that way, he literally feels the other person everything. But outside of that, he does everything he can not to be empathetic. He wants to play by the rules, and that's it.
1: That's you know. And I think that goes to the other side of this. Sometimes rationality can can allow a place or not allow right to get in the way of just like an emotion or a poorly, a, a poorly processed emotion, maybe just like somebody who's that. And that's where we were talking about at the beginning, Ray, When we were talking about policemen or Marines or anybody in the military, that there's a time and a place, because I think those guys, I actually think most, at least a lot of our military they are truly empathetic, and they want to help, and they want to reach out to the people and support, yet they've got to be super rational and in the moment and draw on those skills to get their jobs done and keep themselves and, the, and their peers, their comrades, or that you don't call them that. I don't know what you call them. I'm not in the military. Um, and the people they're tr- there to protect, actually, to to stay safe. I mean, I watch, you know, the firemen here. Same thing. You've got well, they collect money and then they go do their job, and they've got to have their rationality on, their 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 ability to uh, to have. What? I'm I'm losing the word. It's not rationale anymore. Um,
2: Hmm. Let Let's see if we can come up with it. I know what you mean. Um, They've got to be. So,
0: are you suggesting that we can turn that off and on? For a policeman who is, like, facing riots on the street can come home and say, hi, hon, hi, kid, da, da, da. And then he totally blocks everything out and then becomes a normal human being. Where he no, deals.
1: I think it seeps over. But I do think that skills can be developed to keep it healthy. So if I've had, and this is policemen or not, there are days I get done and I can't, With I've handled so many problems. I've dealt with so many very highly charged situations that I'm nothing at the end of the day. So, how do I? I have to really take it easy when I come home and set the stage. And if I had to, you know, if I have family or friends coming to visit me the next day, there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff that I've got to do as soon as I get home and I'm basically dead, emotionally empty, not able to handle anything. But now I have this other whole big list of things. It's up to me and my skill set to go. What can I realistically do? Is it realistic at all? How do I take care of myself here? Because if I don't, everybody else is going to get hurt in the process, including me. Emotionally. Well, you're actually
2: you're actually kind of talking about uh, being professional. What 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 does professionality have to do with it? So, if you're a professional in your role, uh, then you're able to. Take whatever's thrown at you and be able to respond appropriately. But when you go home, you don't necessarily take it home with you. I I think of uh, doctors in the uh, doctors in the ER, and I also think of high school teachers. Hmm. So uh, you know, you you go in. And...
1: <laughs> Sorry, I'm not laughing at you.
0: <laughs> well, I, that was supposed to be a joke. So thank no, you for I, well, that's
1: good. But I was laughing at David. <laughs> oh.
0: He has zero empathy, and he, he hates us all. He hates us all. <laughs> and, and, but but
1: and I, I and see I think.
0: So you weren't we're laughing humans, at my joke. I was no. not laughing
1: at your joke. I'm so. I sorry. have a
0: question. I have a question for you because I mean I, because you're talking about emotions, and I think that they're they're a bit different. But there is a danger of being hyper empathetic, which I mm-hmm. through most of my life was, and it, it is a, it is debilitating because. I can walk down, and it has happened. I walk down the street, for instance, and I see a cop, uh, maybe a couple of cops arresting somebody, some homeless kid or whatever else, and I start to cry. Because I'm totally inside that kid's body thinking, oh, my God, the guy's got no home. Who knows what he's done? He's got these big authority figures ganging up on him, you know, and and, you know, I'm a big sob that way. I mean, I I, I just, Mm -hmm. you know, I immediately feel someone's pain and that can be debilitating. You you, you tend to be codependent. You tend to want you tend to be an enabler, uh, that kind of thing, you know. So that's the extreme. But when we're talking about companies, I don't think we've run into that kind of problem there at all. But I want to ask you a question. Do you think technology like cell phones and drones are making us a less empathetic culture, society? Because there's a distance between you and the results of whatever actions you do?
1: That's a really good question. Um, I don't... I would answer that I don't think we have enough data yet to tell from the generations coming up. So we're talking about like my, my son's generation or my nieces who are getting close to graduating from high school, their generation. Um, But I do think it plays, I think that we are looking for connection in different ways, even if it is, um through technology and for those of us who and you know this is me included i didn't have a computer until i was in in the house we had a computer when i was in the third or the fourth grade so and let alone you know having the internet what was we didn't understand what that was so we weren't connected by anything else besides a regular telephone and the phone companies charged us for that so we really weren't talking to people far away either and i think that we have to adapt to technology and come up with a way to make connections. And if there are other things happen, happening in our brain, which this is an area I know nothing about, other to say that there's other things going on besides just distancing us. There's stuff that happens in our brain that we would need some sort of a brain expert to come talk to us about, about how those things happen in the brain and how technology makes us feel like we're more connected. But it's fooling us. It's pulling the wool over our eyes.
0: I'm going to bring up because I don't want to forget this question. So please don't let me forget exactly. I think it's intriguing. Um, okay, well, David, why don't you just if you could, jump into the conversation? And there's a seat open because <laughs> he's got a couple of good points here. Good questions. I, um, I see the whole. I, I was listening to this program on CBC, and they're talking about this this fact. You know, just technology, and they're talking about kids. Uh, and the fact that, you know, normally in the olden days, like, you know, five years ago, um, a kid would be in the schoolyard and they would something, say something offensive, like, oh, you're fat to another kid. And the, and the kid would react, obviously, and the kid would see that reaction and and then say he could make a judgment saying, oh, that was really nasty. I shouldn't have said that or whatever. And that's how you kind of grow and mature into kind of an emotional, you know, potent kind of person thing. So. But now with, with that distance of texting and, and even you know, that kind of thing and, and drones, like we're talking about military, the fact that someone in, in Arkansas is controlling a, a drone that's landing bombs on a place, there's no connection to the, the, the damage that you're doing to the human lives that, that, you know, that you're taking. Does this all add up? Does this all build a less empathetic society? Um, what do you think, David? Oh, wow. Okay. So that's not <laughs> what I was
3: walking you
0: know? Welcome. It's so good I'm to see you, panel. David. Well,
3: well, I, mean, I think it plays to the distance that we all have now between us and our audience. You know, like a while ago I talked about how um, a lot of businesses, especially when they go online, they lose that connection to their audience because their audience isn't actually in front of them. It's not that you know it's not somebody that's walking into their store where they can have a conversation and bond as human being to human beings. So there's this weird separation. But at the same time, you know in, in content marketing and how I talk to my clients about content marketing, I say you know, put yourself in, in their shoes and try to visualize them as a specific person you have in mind, you know an, a buyer persona. You know and I joke that when I write some of my content, I have this picture of one of my clients who is an older lady who is owns a bed and breakfast in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. and I actually write some of my content as if I'm writing to her specifically. You know, and which brings me to the conversation of, you know, do I have to be, you know, one of those I'm gushing with feelings in order to have not necessarily sympathy, but to understand their emotional distress and everything else? That part of
0: the empathy part without it being the.
1: It's a great That's to
0: kind of t- tie the emotion and the empathy together. And I don't necessarily think that they perhaps have to be that closely. I mean, you don't have to gush because I actually introduced today's show as another touchy feely show because we had just done an emotional connection show two weeks back. But in a sense, I think what you're saying, yes, you you have to understand and you don't have to get mushy about, you know, feeling for your client or trying to understand what your client's going through so that you can make decisions uh, based on that. And I use the example of, you know, Heinlein's grokking uh, to to, to grok. You know that? Are you familiar with that term, David? Grokking, Yeah, grok. It's the word he used in Stranger in a Strange Land, Robert Lee Heinlein, a book that everybody oh, read in this. I haven't read that in a decade or so. <laughs> <laughs> and we used it, but we use it on the street and actually programmers use it now. Once they really figure out a program, totally say, ah, man, I grok it, you know. Um, so grokking basically is it takes you that one step beyond just understanding something to actually embody it to understand all aspects of it so you're almost doing a mind mill to take another side you know?
1: So, okay. uh, so you,
3: no yeah. I, I totally get that which is why i had to look up empathy again because i every time it's used in context i feel like i misunderstand the definition but empathy is not just understanding but it's understanding and sharing the feelings vicariously yeah i mean it's it's, it's, it's well not necessarily well yeah yeah, so it's that sharing the feelings where it kind of gets into the goopy situation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Now, that's, 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 the, that's the show, the goopy situation.
3: <laughs> you know, and, like, where, uh, where you get into the whole um, the relationship marketing and the touchy-feely and all that other stuff. And it's just, no, like, I understand the situation you're in. Here's a solution. You know, and can you is, – is that being – you know, empathetic, or is that just being a smart marketer and understanding your audience and kind of what they're going through at the time?
2: Like I if- remember my middle management um, training. I, I worked for a cable company for a long time, but it was a different division. That like was empathy. A- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but what what the number one thing was uh, when you're in middle, you know, managers are supposed to when an employee comes in, you're supposed to listen with empathy. Yeah. And. You know, does that, but it doesn't mean that you're going to say yes. It just means that the employee who comes in is going to sit down and they're going to feel as if they've had their day in court.
3: Can you walk because us through you listen the question? But but they, they probably gave you scripts of like, you know, when somebody comes in, you go, I too felt that way. I understand where you're
0: coming from. Oh, as we talked about that, so condescending. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: It is. It really is. You know, there's a commercial that's out right now. I understand how you feel. And it's it's the exact opposite. I don't know if you've seen the new GE commercials right now where there's this kid who he's graduated from school and he's sitting on the couch telling his parents he's going to work for GE. And his parents hand him his grandpa's hammer, who also worked at GE. And he's like, but that's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the technology side of things. And the parents can't don't lift get it at all. And they're like, you can't lift the hammer, can you?
0: <laughs> even, if your name is, even if your name is Thor, I'm sorry. It's exactly.
1: Like- and I love you know why I love that? Because it's actually, it's actually showing us lack of empathy in our everyday lives with our family and friends that occurs just as much, mm. if not more, than what we get when we're dealing with companies. And I wonder if our need to be heard by companies is kind of like because we're not heard by the people who really should have our back maybe i think
0: as human beings we just want to be heard period do you mean like i mean whether it's a company or whether it's your partner uh and and to be heard it's not just like yeah i hear you blah 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 it's it's it's, it's being heard like you're really listening you know yeah. like you're really listening to me you're absorbing what i'm saying you're processing you kind of feel how i feel about it and even though maybe you don't feel the same way, you can understand how I feel about it. And that takes you beyond just the the listening and just, you know, the... Wait, Ray, were you talking? Because I was listening to my cell phone.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Well, okay, so we're practicing this with Carter right now, too. And David's going to tune me out as well. And I'm totally going to that.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, with oh. that. because like, he doesn't like this, <laughs> he
1: doesn't well, like he this, this mushy that.
0: stuff. Hey, man, he's got him the wrong blab, I tell you. I mean. And,
1: you know, well... <laughs> And it's really funny because here we are, we're sitting, and maybe I don't, it's really interesting because Carter will say something like about the snow. He's like, and I get to have hot chocolate tomorrow because there's hot chocolate, it's something we're gonna go to. And I'm like, yes, and there's gonna be more. And he repeats, hot chocolate. And I'm like, yes, and more. And then he repeats hot chocolate and Ryan goes, yes, Carter, hot chocolate. And Carter is satisfied. And it's really strange because here I am in this situation, I'm like, I was saying yes. But he didn't get it so is it the actual repetition of saying the words that were said to you that is how we're trained because maybe i lack empathy in some in this particular kind of situation so if you tell me something cool i'm going to be like yeah and here's what else you're going to find that's cool instead of going you're right I, you know what is i think
0: cool. it is why it goes, i think it goes beyond the words that's why i said in the other yeah. show it's, it's go, it goes beyond creating a, a a client persona it's 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 projecting it it's almost an, it, more an image than it is words and a, a, an example would be i get people get touched when they see pictures of children in distress uh and because you can put yourself into the body of that eight-year-old or five-year-old because you know what it's like to be a five-year-old who's lost. And therefore you're totally empathetic with, with that boy's situation. That's, to me, that's empathy because you can understand how that, how that boy feels. <coughs> yes, if you write in a, in a paragraph, oh, small five-year-old boy wandering around the city, lost, can't find his mother. Yes, you can empathize in the situation because you know what the situation is. But if you actually see that boy, uh, a photo of that boy with, you know, with the, on a velvet, bat, <laughs> velvet painting with teardrops, I mean, you know, um, it's, it's how you feel. That's how you makes how it makes you feel. And I don't know how that. Trans- well,
1: OK, trans- but I think that's really. sympathy. I think you said the word. I think that's sympathy. I don't think that's empathy because I should be able to, Ray, even though I've never been in. I've never walked in your shoes. I've never walked in David's shoes. And yet I should be able to hear your hurt. And let you know I've heard your hurt and I understand it, even if I have never experienced it. And to me, that's what empathy is.
0: Ah, uh, see, to me, it's, there's two different things. I think sympathy is different than empathy. I don't want to get into semantics, but I think there's so, right. It, but there's that's one layer about empathy. Of, of I think empathy
1: here. is I don't have to have walked in your shoes. I might never have been lost, but I can look at you and you can tell me the story, and I can <clears> go. wow you've really been affected by that yeah. wow i get the feeling and maybe even be able to articulate that feeling even though i might have never had that exact situation no you
0: don't have and you don't have to have those things but you're by you saying that i like, get that feeling that you're having you're empathizing the person because you're understanding yeah. how they feel
3: well and that comes i mean okay so with what jessica was saying you know i think that comes down to you want to when we write content we want to answer the person's challenges and situation first before moving them on to the next phase right mm-hmm. you know it's something that i learned from my five-year-old too it's like okay i can't move on to the next thing until yes just like what you were saying i've answered the question i said yes you're going to have hot chocolate then we're going to do something else he's like oh yeah okay hot chocolate and then we get to do something else." <laughs> got it now right you know it's the same thing with with every type of audience you, know, you you've, you figure out their problem and you solve their problem first and i don't is that
0: empathy or is that just simply good no marketing? that's being a problem solver you know they but i think yeah. about the empathy yeah. like for instance take, there's a great ad by i can't remember the, the company in, in england uh and they they did a book and they used to selling the book for charity but it's about this cat who completely destroys the house by accident. I mean, he you know, he trips on a light thing and the light thing sets off the fire and the turkey timer and and the whole and the whole place almost burns but he runs out of the house and he accidentally had dialed nine whatever the fire thing is in England. And so the fire trucks come to the front of the house as the cats in the front of the house and of course they're saying he's a hero because he alerted the fire people. And while wow, he had created all the mess. Then what happens is that the parents and the kids all go in the house and everything's all burnt and their christmas is all gone. And also, there you go. There's the Christmas nostalgia, empathy kind of thing happening. And of course, all the neighbors come in and they share their Christmas with them, and it's a big tearjerker Christmas thing. You see all that Christmas time. That you know, that's kind of empathetic in the sense that that's all about feelings. It's like the Anheuser Busch uh, commercials, right, with the ponies and the, mm-hmm. and the and the puppies and and all those are all things that elicit feelings. Uh, and the, and that I guess plays on on empathy in, in, in a way.
1: Is it or is it just emotional manipulation? <sighs>
0: Well, we asked that in the last show when does it cross to manipulation? manipulation
1: yeah yeah um well okay so i was thinking and that's,
0: about that's a how, very do we, how do we in our guess.
1: daily lives can you, <laughs> listen, you brought up problem solving
0: i'm surprised <laughs> that you just
1: <laughs> what do you mean for? i missed it i was talking on my own conversation <laughs> <sighs>
0: But that's true. There's a danger of crossing into manipulation, but my God, you know, the the culture, I mean, especially the American culture is like all about that, right? I mean, look at Disney. He made a empire out of manipulation.
1: I tell you, you know, so we were talking in the Ready to Go show and you had said it here. You said it's problem solving. But what are we problem solving? Are we problem solving one squeaky wheel or are we looking across a data set? And recognizing the, uh, a lot of squeaky wheels that sound similar and digging under to find that. And I think when we use the word problem solving, we've got to be really careful. Because if we don't, we're ending up with our little unicorn magic here. Oh, I helped that person. Oh, I helped that person. Oh, I, I can't believe
0: you pulled out the unicorn, Jess.
3: <laughs> and then we're whitewashing it with, with gu- the guise of feelings over yes. top of simple problem solving.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah we're, there's, we're there's making, definitely
3: we're
0: we're couching, problems couching, that we we're have that need solving. You know, someone someone's having an issue with their website. You know, and 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 they're getting the bounce rates too high or whatever, and we can help them. That's a problem it has nothing to do with emotions or or empathy or whatever. But if someone's life is is in a a, a spin because they can't because they can't control the attention deficit disorder from having all these choices and all that
1: you know that's
0: that goes beyond just one problem perhaps maybe that because it it, because it it impacts on them emotionally having not having enough bounce rate on my website doesn't impact me emotionally it's a pain in the ass and hurts business perhaps but my life being out of control is an emotional thing
1: well hang on let's stick with this Unemotional thing of bounce rate on your website If we were to really oh. look at this <laughs> Is this,
3: Wait no, hold on Do you, do you guys emotionally as- affiliate me Or uh, you know cross reference <laughs> me With bounce rates now Is that, is that what you <laughs> are
1: we love you, David. We love you.
3: I mean, I, I, you know, I know they are very emotional things, and people get very distraught yeah. by their bounce rates Yeah.
1: Well, and, and if you think about it, you, Ray, you're saying don't put any emotion around it and it's really not something to be emotional about. But it does show a gap between where you think your company is and then somebody like David going, well, yeah, duh, there's a gap here, and I'm going to so much nicer t- tell you, much nicer than Jess just did, that here's what's missing. Kind of thing, and so I, I do think that there's there's a big emotion. And now, who are where I was going with this was who's involved, who cares? Is it the guy who built the website that really is trying to hold his ground and say my website is great and it converts the way it should, or is it the customer service people that say nobody can find anything on this website and so sure it's great, but we still have work to do, or is it the guy who? got the project done and it's like I really want to be done with this because it's been a pain in my side for 12 months now and understanding all the people that come together around said bounce rate is why it's so big and I feel for you David because I don't want to have to know all those people (laughs) so
0: so Jessica when you do post this blog post just make sure you give me a hat tip okay (laughs)
1: You got it. <laughs> so, I, I got to work on my
0: I
3: am going to work on my brand association here. Wow.
0: No more talking about bounce rates for a while.
1: All right,
0: <laughs> Well, you know, in, when, you know in, co- in content marketing and writing and, and copywriting or whatever, I mean, you have to be attuned to people's emotions because that's, that's how you reach them, right? So, I mean, that's, that, mm. that, that takes empathy. That takes you have to be a human being. Yeah,
3: well, I mean, and and in cre- being able to create effective content and content marketing that speaks to a user in their challenge at the moment, you know, I mean, we we know that Google likes to talk about meta moments and micro moments, and all that stuff. And it's how can you bond with a person quickly and effectively, you know, and how, when they're in that situation, when they're emotionally vulnerable, you know, like, how do you help them? And that's mm-hmm. what most web searches are now is people helping other people, content, people looking for content to help them in their current situation. So how do you play to that? You know, and it gets back to what we were talking about in the beginning, or my question was like, how much is that empathy or or how much is simply understanding the person without being sharing in
0: their situation? You know, like.
1: Yeah, you don't wanna take it on. You don't wanna let, exactly, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. yeah you don't want to wear it i mean you say, you have to just. i say you have to sort of understand it and, and, and understand how that person feels by being in that situation as you just said david i mean that's i think that's the that's the, that's the trick i just can't mm-hmm. believe that we had started this whole conversation back with the sociological implications of being too empathetic and we ended up with bounce rates so that's just, okay, <laughs> maybe 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 I need to go. I will go so you can continue back to your conversation. So we're I will, actually, I will just echo from the sidelines. We all we, we all have to go.
1: We lunch, We love your heckling, my friend. So anyway, wow. you Thank you for this. your content marketing advice. Also.
0: Yes, I'm going off now to check out my bounce rate. <laughs> so. To-
1: <laughs> okay, you got one of us. You got this guy, with this guy over here. I know who to call if it's too
0: high. Take care, guys. Thanks a lot. I'll see you next Tuesday. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks, Jess.